What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 321. Otherwise known as 321 three, Blast two, Off. One. Yeah, Blast Off. That's what it was, John. Yep, that's what it was. <laughs> I was waiting to say that. You yeah. I'm so be, disappointed. You, you, you got it. You couldn't hold it. That you said Not 321. It's like you said that specifically to avoid saying 321 because <laughs> you knew I was, I'm here for some countdown jokes. You just couldn't wait. Yes. Uh, yeah, episode 321. Uh, my name is Stephen, one of the co-hosts, and as always, I'm joined by... Ron. And John. That's true. And uh, you are who you say you are. I've verified this through our YouTube uh, channel that I've watched all of our videos on, youtube.com slash movie, which you can go to and subscribe to watch this mm-hmm, if you're mm-hmm. only listening to it. But uh, good to see you guys. And, uh, good to see you, as well. Man. Got a bit of a stacked episode today. Kind of, It's kind of so uh, added up over the past few days. Uh, we're going to talk about some news items at the top of the show. You two have seen a couple movies uh, in some sort of combination that we're going to let you talk about uh, briefly. And then the two big reviews that we're going to be featuring today on the podcast are uh, two titles, day and date releases that are out uh, when this podcast hits, which are not Eternals. But we are talking about Finch on Apple TV+, Plus, which stars uh, Tom Hanks. And also uh, the beta test, which is Jim Cummings' new movie, which is going to be, I think, a theatrical NVOD at the same time in some sort of combination. Um, so we've all seen those two, mm. but uh, you'll get into some of the ones you've seen individually or together um, in a moment. But top of the show, news items, John, you wanted to bring up something relating to, I mentioned it, the Eternals. So what's going on with the Eternals? Well, we haven't seen it. So here, here we That's are on true. the release date of the movie. Here, our only version of, of coverage for this movie right now can be the coverage everyone's been, uh, you know, spooling out for the last couple of weeks, which is coverage of the Rotten Tomatoes numbers or the, the critical response, shall we say. Yeah. This, right. Is, right. this is getting headlines like, uh, you know, Marvel's worst reviewed movie ever, uh, Marvel's most disappointing movie ever, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all know how subjective that the whole Rotten Tomatoes score can be in terms of a marketing tool. It can it can backfire. It can be mi- right. manipulated by fans or by anti-fans yeah. or whatever. There's a lot that goes on with Rotten Tomatoes. It's not a pure thing. And I think we all know that it was really sort of a strange fluke of the recent era of these Marvel movies that this type of popcorn film was getting great critical response in addition yeah. to an audience response. Mm-hmm. Um so Definitely. I don't know, you know, I guess there's two questions I have. What do you guys think of the kind of over coverage of this? That it's like normally the, the buzz going into a Marvel movie is all this positive stuff, but they, they have to fill those spots with coverage of how lukewarm to negative the response has yeah. been. But the other side of that is how are you actually feeling about the movie? Do these reviews change your mind at all about what you expect to see? Do you think maybe expectations being low might serve this movie? I don't know. There's a, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie yeah. not having seen it yet, and I just wondered where you guys are with it especially with regards to the 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 critical response steve what do you think so i mean just for myself i mean i don't think any of this ever really has much of an impact on my desire to see the movie right. i think the only thing it kind of triggers in me and 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 the way that we follow the industry in this way is just simply how piled on it is now that it there's a chance that there's a marvel movie that's quote unquote not good or rotten or however you want to measure it right i think the idea you know people in any conversation will will talk about some marvel movies that they think are not good you know that are bad movies yeah. but have somehow maintained some sort of fresh rating on a binary site like rotten tomatoes i like rotten tomatoes i'm not trying to cut on it but i just feel like you know it doesn't really impact me and doesn't really kind of bait me in any way 
to um, really kind of affect my want or lack of want to see a movie. Uh, I think it really is just something like, like John saying, like how everywhere you look about the Eternals, all it's talking about is this is just because simply these journalists, these trades, these sites, these blogs, you know, this is a moment that they've been really kind of waiting for. <laughs> it's strange how excited. I mean, they it's are. it's yeah. it's true though. It's strange. It's very like <clears throat> mean, you know, in, in a way. Like, but they really have been waiting for some, for, you know, some sort of crack in the armor in terms of how uh, Marvel and or the MCU really exists in the film industry. That said. You know, you look at like pre-sales on Fandango, anything like that. And I mean, they're still projecting a 75 to 80 plus million opening for this movie, which would be the second biggest opening of the, you know, pandemic era. You know, so, you know, part of me is really just like, OK, well, all this, you know, uh, coverage for the Rotten Tomatoes store. There's two things you're looking for. You're trying to see how much MCU fans can sustain the franchise without the critical reception having anything to do with box office, which I lean towards that, to be honest with you, I really don't know that the critical sense consensus has much of an impact on a Marvel movie um, and box office in general, really. But, and the other thing is, is that if you want to watch Rotten Tomatoes, watch the, you know, the, the, you know, what is it called? Like the, uh, the audience score, you know, after a week or so, when a lot of verified viewers of the movie have a chance to rate it on Rotten Tomatoes, or I think yeah. they they source it through Fandango. But it's just this weird thing where, like, you know, people just want to hype something negative because it's a topic to talk about. And when you can only talk about so many things every time a Marvel movie comes out, it's like it's a new conversation point that people are just completely piling on. Um, but in general, not much of an impact on me. Um, I like you said, John. I kind of have feelings about what this movie is going to be, or you know where it's going to go, or what it could do for the MCU. And I kind of, in general, don't really care what the consensus is. In most cases, I just kind of want to watch it for myself and experience it. What about you, Ronald? Um, there's a term that kids use now. It's mid, re referring to middle of the road weed, middle of the road things, right? I think what when it comes to Apple, I mean to Apple, when it comes to, that was a Freudian slip. When it comes to Marvel, they've yeah. presented themselves like, uh, it's almost like HBO. Like HBO is a yeah. channel that creates premium things. Apple, a computer company that creates premium things. Marvel, right. a movie studio that creates premium things. And sometimes you might get a HomePod. You might get a thing that's not quite as popular as the mainstream things. The problem is, like the 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 thing that eats itself alive is like the the people that are like un unfazed by the idea that mediocrity can exist in a thing, which is a which is to me I I'm I think it's okay. I I predicted this. I saw that trailer and I was like, this is a mid very mid trailer and it is showing that the trailer really is pretty indicative i mean people have got like actual non-critics have been going to screeners of this and have repeated the same sentiments and that's okay too i think the issue is it's okay to have a mediocre marvel movie 
Right. But, and it's it's weird that it's such a story. You know, it's yes. weird that it's like so worth reporting. And it's it's also weird that if you look at the people on the extremes of the super negative or the super positive yeah. reviews for this movie, you can kind of see the agenda. If you look down the middle, yeah. you kind of get that vision of what you're talking about, Ronald, which is everybody, even people who were given it kind of light positive are basically yeah. saying this is middle of the road Marvel. This is yeah. mediocre. Yeah. Um, and, and and I'm not saying that, like, I'm saying that, like, a HomePod isn't a bad thing. Like, right. I have two HomePods in my house. They're incredible. <laughs> but that, it, it, I'm just saying in terms of, like, impact on the culture. Yeah. The problem is, yeah. The, here's the issue with Marvel. The impact on the culture directly affects the direction of the the movie universe yes so like if eternals is not accepted well after this period this grace period that everybody's talking about i don't know if there's going to be an eternals second one that feels like or they may appear as secondary characters in another person's story which isn't a terrible thing mm -mm. and i'd be okay with that how about a hulk movie yeah, but i'm just saying like that, that you know th there's there's something to be said about something not hitting the cultural zeitgeist the way that marvel has been for 10 years straight right well but, but i mean that's kind of what it is is that like it's because they've always kind of hit this spot that it's like mediocre is a disappointment you know we're talking yeah, about like an yeah. a student who sometimes brings home b's <laughs> right. to make up to make like a high d or something like that right. or a low c even is like hmm, well what what happened bud mm. you know <laughs> and i think that's where it's a story but i think what you were talking about too steve is that people have been waiting for this to happen and even we have said what will be that thing that just breaks the spell that the impression yeah. that these movies are going to win critics over and win fans over and i think what you're both saying is interesting none of us really listen to critics I don't think for an opinion about whether we're going to see a movie. Maybe right. if I'm trying to pick between two or three middle of the pack movies about what yeah. I'll see, I'll look and see yeah. what the critical response is and maybe read some of the critics that I trust. Sure. But I don't just go by the binary of Rotten Tomatoes really ever. Um, but I think that on, on top of that, there's this whole thing of like, okay, so we know these movies might not all be great. We're not going to necessarily listen to the critics, but... When it is this pylon, I do think the celebratory nature of the discussion around a movie like uh, Endgame or Black Panther or even one of the Spider-Man movies, I think it is part of the fun that makes Marvel this thing that people are willing to say, yeah. I, I like Marvel movies. You know what I mean? Is because they are sort of like, it is sort of the, the home the home team that keeps winning the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do think it will be interesting to see a stretch of movies that hit people in this lukewarm way, maybe, yeah. what that would do to this idea of what Marvel is. I think it's just the idea that they've clearly put so much into this. The cast is great. They hired a, a, a you know, a, a, a later, Academy Award winning director, uh, this movie was set to be this kind of kind of bold new step for them. And it's, so it's interesting that they would, that that would be where the, the knives really came out, would be Marvel trying for a second to do something a little different. But, yeah. but the, I, I've read enough of the lukewarm reviews to believe that this is probably kind of a sluggish movie, or this is maybe an overlong movie with a lot of exposition. Um, and different people seem to agree about what the strengths of the movie are. So I'm like, okay, maybe there are a few different strengths to this movie. But, yeah. you know, it's what you said, Ronald, what you feared from the trailer, the trailer that kind of left you. I didn't so much think it looked mediocre as I felt like I didn't feel a hook being put in me. I didn't feel, yeah. I didn't, which meant I, I didn't feel the average viewer being hooked by it either, you know? So, um, I think that yeah. that's just the thing that just whatever it is, this seems like a really big concept and a big swing that is maybe just gonna 
be, uh, be you know, middle of the pack. It's going to be right there with uh, whatever Captain Marvel and first couple Age of Ultron? movies and Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron? And, you know, all the all the ones that uh, that people people rank lower than the than the you know these unquestionable successes. So yeah, it breaks my heart. To be completely honest, it breaks my heart. I feel bad yes, for like Kamel and and, yes, and Brian it, it, Scott Tyree and all that stuff. It's a, like, so there's this there's an army. You you know this army that I'm about to describe. The like. Oh, it's it's a woman. Women are taking over in the movie space. You know, any women-led narrative is is trash. Anything that you know, those people. That's what breaks my heart about this. It's not that the movie's mediocre. It's that a uh, uh, yeah a woman is at the helm. An Asian woman is at the helm. It's a power in women in the movie. Right, Chloe and Zhao this, and Jimmy yes. Chan and Selma Hayek and that, Angelina Jolie. This is it a huge breaks like, yeah. my heart because right. that may mean if if they're going off of if Marvel does Netflixy sort of stuff, they take like they're like okay, these things work. So if they say like a women led, you know, like half the cast being women, and if that doesn't work, are we not going to see a women led narrative with more than one woman in the, as a lead for a while. Are we just not going to see that for a while? I'm a little I afraid so. of that. I, I, I think we, I, well, I don't think it'll have that impact personally. Yeah, I, I, think, I don't either. I think we will see that. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to assure you and, you know, that that probably won't happen. And you talk, uh, you talk to Kevin. You, you said, yeah, Kevin. I talked to him the other day. Don't worry about I, uh, it. I sent it him a, a new flu. hat, and he thanked me. And uh, I, I <laughs> so asked many him hats. a couple things. Now, Ronald, when you held up the fake phone, if you don't like when you do the video, if you don't I'm like sorry. put in a little Kevin Feige head that like pops down next to you <laughs> in your square, like you know, do on, on the line with Kevin Feige. No, I think that like uh, you know we we've always liked these movies, but we aren't like the cheerleaders, you know. So yeah. I think that like that is something that is interesting is that we have yet to really reckon with this. We have yet to have to sit here and pretend we like something <laughs> that that we hate. You know, there have been. Right. We've had differences along the way, but there hasn't been like this, oh, this sucks. This was a waste of my time. And then someone else saying, no, I thought it was incredible. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we just haven't had that kind of spread of opinion on most of this stuff. So I really do think, I, I mean, I think there is something about being slightly underwhelmed by this movie that will feel like a disappointment if that's mm -hmm. what happens. Right. Um, but yeah, we haven't See? seen it yet. And like you said, Steve, when have we listened to, like, if you got into movies because you like, like, popcorn fare and action movies and stuff, when did, when were the critics the people that set you on the, right. the path right. of those movies right. ever? Um, so this just seemed like this was the one that was going for the critical respect. I think that's the thing that we all sort of know. And it, and who knows, yes. maybe there will be no Eternals too. but they've done this before where they've pivoted and they've made it, you know, they've made something work based on something. Yeah. I, so I don't know. I don't think that they're scared rabbits, Ronald, in the sense of will they change future plans for some of these characters? They, they may just say we need to really be careful not to, you know, not to broaden our scope yeah. so much that we lose that. Whatever, like I said, whatever that hook is that people feel when they see one of these trailers, and they just, you yeah. know, they're like, okay, let me let me buy my ticket as soon as I can. So, right. Here's what the, I love. Go ahead, go. Right. I'm so sorry. I was gonna say just to piggyback on your comment about like the concern of like you know a movie that's directed by a woman, led by you know three or four huge stars that are all yeah. female, the hugest, yeah, and 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 one of the most diverse casts, you know, that aren't in like an yeah. Avengers movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm just saying like, you know, this is one of the most diverse casts in really most of these comic book movies. Um, so, I mean, that's also, 
and it's horrible to say this in 2021, but like to a mainstream audience and to some critics, that's a challenging idea. Yeah. And that's that's ridiculous. And, it you know, is. the fact that like the movie has like it's like Marvel's first like love scene, like some people are like, you know, yeah. recoiling to the idea of even having that kind of stuff in a comic book movie. And, you know, that's something that is just the to me that makes me more interested because it's like pushing something that's different. Like everybody that yeah. complains that Marvel movies are one kind of thing. The moment that you have something that's a little different than that, which it sounds like this is trying to be, mm-hmm. that's when you get this kind of response. And I'm not, I'm not trying to defend the movie because I haven't seen it, but I just feel like those things in the conversation all seem to be correlated. And it just mm-hmm. seems like, you know, you have this, you know, criticism, this low key criticism that is like a, a through line of Marvel, which is that like, they're all the same and they're all this and they're all that. Well, this is pretty different. You know, this is like, you know, a, a really, you know, significant, uh, successful female director taking this comic book movie on an Academy Award winning director and a cast that's so diverse and, you know, a story that seems like one of the bigger scopes of any of the Marvel movies that yeah. are standalones, at you least know. at this point. And self-contained as a movie, too, and at this exactly. point. Exactly. To get something exactly. new that's self-contained is crazy. It just know. makes it it just makes it even harder for some people to digest and that's just ridiculous and i think that's really a part of what's hurting it even in a critical even in a critic's environment i think some people can't get past some of that still that's what i was trying to get at like i wasn't you know it's hard it's a hard thing to talk about mostly because the three of us (coughs) fall in the liberal sort of space where like we're pretty open to images that you know are un are not regular parts of our lives and that's okay right right? it's a beautiful thing to accept different images that aren't a regular part of your life you know what i'm kind of looking forward to a year from now when we're like a year removed from this and we do like a watch list episode of like marvel movies and somebody's (laughs) like i love thor one and two i loved (laughs) eternals you know i loved age of ultron i know it's like a it gets me kind (laughs) of randomly emotional I, i think it's because like People find what they love, you know? Yeah, that's it, fine. It's a, it's a strange thing, and I love that it's like this. I love that the MCU has an opportunity to become this. I love that there are ones that people are going to be like, I fucking hate that movie, and I love that movie, and I, this is a great one. You know, now that I think about it, after the events of this movie, now Eternals makes more sense. Like, right. you know, that's going to happen. Yeah. And that's the joy of it is that there's so much, you know, some people don't say there's enough variety, but there really is. I think, you know, at the end of the day in the, in this universe. And it's funny you mentioned that uh, because like I was talking to uh, a friend of the pod, Amanda, who does the, the introverts laid out Mm. podcast. Um, Hello, Amanda. She's always voting on our polls, by the way. So amazing. Polls going. But anyway, we were talking about the MCU and like the excitement to go see the Eternals, you know, movie this weekend. And she was saying that I think it was maybe it's after Shang-Chi or earlier this year, she did like a, a watch of the whole MCU with her mother. Mm-hmm. And just speaking to your point, people love what they love. Her yeah. mother's favorite movie in the whole MCU universe was Thor Dark World. You know what I mean? Or one, it was, it was I think it was Thor one or two. It was like <laughs> her amazing. mom was like, I was like, and that's the thing is that yeah. it doesn't matter. Enough people like all these movies that there's something to take away from any of them. Yes. You don't need to like all of them. I mean, yeah. I guess it's the end of, at the end of the day. But yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And hopefully next week we can talk about Eternals a little more and see where we fall. Uh, and Shang Chi, yeah, that's right. You guys will see Shang Chi soon. Yeah. So, will we see it by next Friday? Maybe. Hopefully. 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 Well, Hopefully. 
let's transition to the other news thing that we were going to, we were going to mention some of the Disney plus stuff mm. and you know, the, you want to bring up the Boba Fett trailer, but next week is a big day. Like their Disney plus day next Friday, Huge. the 12th is going to be a big thing for them. And a part of that is, you know, Shang-Chi uh, and Legend of the Ten Rings coming out on the Disney plus service for so free. Ronald and I will finally get to see this movie uh, hopefully before we record, yeah. but it's a big day. Like that's a streaming service. Like that's a big day that they're promoting. They had the trailer for Boba Fett, which I think doesn't, that comes out in December. Yeah. Um, but there's also conversations that there's going to be a trailer next Friday for the Obi-Wan series and shit could get crazy that day. I mean, they could announce yeah. wow. a lot of stuff. Um, but supposed talk about the Boba Fett Star stuff, Wars. I mean, there's supposed to be 11 Star Wars series at some point in development. <laughs> Which and sounds like a lot, about? but when you hear about like all the stuff they've been doing over at Marvel, it, you can get to eleven pretty quick with some yeah, of this yeah. stuff. Especially oh, yeah. if you start breaking off some of these series, like they did with Boba Fett. You know, we seem to skip Mandalorian this year, but we got Boba Fett instead. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I, I yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. What were you about to say, Ronald? <clears throat> How crazy is it that? I mean, no, I'm not saying this to insult the world, but Star <laughs> Wars has lost its good faith. In the cinematic universe. Let's well, I mean, Star that. Wars is that. Okay, we were saying what 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 can and happen to Marvel if it loses that magic touch. The opposite. I, but I'm saying Star Wars is kind of in that spot of like, it's the respected brand, but it does not have that instant. Like, it is so fractured. Yeah. Like, Star Wars fans like one thing or another. So that thing you were just saying about the MCU fandom, it's mm. it's already happened to Star Wars. It's already yeah. factions that, that yeah. battle. And you will talk to someone and say, I love Star Wars. And then you'll say, man, I love Solo. And they'll want to punch you in the face. Yeah. And they'll say my favorite movie is rogue one and then you'll want to punch them in the nuts uh, yeah. so i don't know i'm assuming this is a man um but no there's a um there's there's a lot going into this situation that is that is touchy with star wars fandom so you never know if there's going to be a new project that's going to like really please people or not but the the, the obi-wan show sounds to me like one at least on paper everything they're adding to it sounds like one that's really trying to be like a kind of a a big deal you know for yeah it's for it's wars. pretty cool man like the fact that the TV shows are informing fandom in a way that I would have never expected, you know? Yeah. There may be a point where the TV shows are informing the cinematic universe, like where people are so excited for like Mandalorian being in a, a film version or Boba Fett being in a film version of, you know, his story or being included in a story. That it, to me is really incredible, man. Like that. Yeah. I think I think that Disney is on to something about having these long form stories on the, on their uh, streaming service. So we'll see, man. Is what it, did you guys think of the Boba Fett teaser that was released? It looks it looks all right. <laughs> you know, um, go it, ahead, looks, go it looks go like ahead, these go. looks like these these Disney Plus shows for Star Wars. It's it's that level of production value. I'm I'm interested in the kind of gangland story that it's trying yeah. to tell the sort of underworld every world has an underworld is a pretty cool tagline for the show um i like seeing fennec shand i like seeing that she's back uh i don't know i don't know if there's anything that is really making me think oh that looks amazing or it just mm -hmm. looks like an extension of the brand we already know with mandalorian and i'm okay i'm, I'm excited about four or five episodes at that quality level that's going to dig into like you know dealing canonically with what's the aftermath of everything at Jabba's palace and yeah. all that stuff, you know, but I'm, but I don't know if there's anything visually or like 
there wasn't anything that wowed me in that sense in the trailer as far as like, oh my God, I can't believe we're getting to see this or that. It just kind of seems like more of the same. And yeah, that's fine. <clears throat> yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. I feel so, kind of similar. Um, the good part is like, if there is something that separates the two of those shows, but the Mandalorian versus Boba Fett, I mean, that'll be cool. If it doesn't, if it feels tonally kind of similar, that'll be cool too. So um, what those shows do on, on, a, on a, like a storytelling level to me is something that, you know, I, what I was not expecting. So for, for this to become a, 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 a universe in the television world is beyond my wildest dreams so you know everything feels like a gift i, I know that sounds sounds super like uh, almost like uncritical of this thing but it really does feel like a gift but you know i've complained about the marvel stuff really still feels like a gift it feels like the best gift it's like if you wanted uh, a playstation 5 with a terabyte in it, and instead you got 500 gigabytes. You're like, oh man, I would have loved it. But this is still amazing. It feels like a fucking gift. So, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we, we there would have been another good segue earlier from this to our first movie, but we were talking earlier about how there the and maybe really what we were bemoaning was that like okay, so Eternals doesn't have a lot of good buzz going into it. Why do you have to fill all those spots with stories about this movie not having a great cr critical response when you could be hyping other things that are coming mm -hmm. out, such as the sort of things that come out on these streaming services that we're talking about and and Apple TV Plus in particular has a problem, I think, you were saying, Steve, and I agree, with, it's, there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't seem to get noticed, and it doesn't seem like they're really putting it out there that much. Are, aren't, aren't we talking about two movies now that are Apple TV Plus movies, or is yours not that? No. Mine is a Netflix one, but okay, the Apple TV Plus one is a huge, it's a huge movie. All of their shows are, are have a very similar problem as well. Like, you know, Invasion just came out. Um, Foundation. Uh, foundation, both sci-fi, beautiful movies that uh, beautiful TV shows that look like movies. Like yeah. there are movies that don't look as good as these films, right? Uh, films that don't look as good as these uh, shows, yeah. and they. Well, you we know, don't know what it, to call anything anymore. Yeah, There's content it, that doesn't look as good as, as this IP. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, like I'm, I, I dare you to show me something that looks better visually. Than any of these Disney Plus shows. I mean, we're talking about the all of them at once. The first two, yeah. the first two were supposed to be a Netflix and a Paramount Plus. Movie. Yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> but but these are streamers, and and I think yeah. Ronald's in particular is a movie that's getting lost in the shuffle of all this other hype. So let's maybe yes. talk about that Netflix movie because it's sure. the same as what I was saying about Apple TV Plus. It's part of yes. the same conversation. Stuff comes out and just gets like, gets lost. You know. Yes, uh, James Samuel. The brother of Seal um, wrote and directed a western called "The Harder They Fall." Star man, do you, I don't, I don't even want to. No read this, it. These people <laughs> look. Zazie Beats, Jonathan Majors, uh, Damian Wayne's Jr., Dion Cole, uh, Idris Elba, Regina King, Lakeith Stanfield. It is a jam-packed movie. From like start to finish, one of the best westerns I've seen in quite some time. Right, no promotion for this movie. I've I've not heard a single sound about this movie. 
And so this is the point I want to just mention. So this is the Netflix thing. And, mm. and we talked about it before we started recording. So the Netflix approach to this kind of stuff is, you know, if it's not the maybe the Martin Scorsese, like Irishman, it's not like the big, like, you know, holiday Oscar, whatever it might be. Even movies like Red Notice, like their biggest budgeted movie that they have with The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, like these are huge, huge movies, right? Yeah. Massive budgets. And you're talking about a movie that with a cast like that and even positive where the ma- like the buzz around, it's been very so positive. Bu- the so weekend up. They What they do is like they trailers, trailers, trailers. They do some social media stuff. The movie comes out. If the movie hits and stays in their top one, two, three, then they latch on to that. And that's where their marketing kicks in. Okay. The most that, recent that example sense. being being Squid Game and yeah. other things that have caught on recently, like there's TV series, uh, the, uh, it's called Made, The Maid. And yeah. like, you know, they no one knows what this is. And then it comes out and now it's like in the top three for like three weeks. And they're like, yeah. that's all you see Netflix promoting. So I'm curious, you know, now that The Harder They Fall is out, I haven't seen it yet. I'm very excited to. But if it catches on and like catches into those top three slots for a week or so, I'd almost be willing to bet you're going to start seeing that on a lot more like sites, platforms, digital media, things that we would see some of these promotions for, because that's just how they do it. Like they have so much content. If you think about it, it's an interesting approach because they have no way to promote all of it anywhere near the same outside of being able to say like, these are our biggest titles Mm. and only those get multiple trailers. Like there's multiple trailers for this, for red notice, you know, like they get that same kind of marketing, but they don't get the kind of thing you get for theatrical. But if it catches on week two, three, you're going to be hearing tons about this movie. That that makes sense. So weird. Why Netflix is that way with like something will be brand new. I'll know it's out and it'll be something I'm and I'm like, why am I having a hard time? Why do I have to go type this in instead of just finding it? And then then I'll come back a week or two later and I'll see it. It'll be much easier to find. Yeah, it'll be under all the little headers. And and I'm like, okay, hearing you say that, oh, that makes sense that that it's not in that first week or that first day that they that they know how to position things. But it can be incredibly frustrating when it's something that seems like it should be a big deal or that even seems like Netflix's algorithm should be telling me about this thing based on what I've watched, you know, and the fact that that it's something that's right up your alley and that you were just watching the last episode of or something and then something new comes out and it doesn't show it to you. I mean, I don't like that, but at least I understand how that can be that they are they're it is often within a few days of something coming out that the conversation shifts to that. And that's when yeah. Netflix knows, oh, this is the thing. You know, Squid Game is a great example of that, where suddenly here's the thing that people are actually talking about all the time. Uh, yeah. And it has become a, you know, a big, it was Halloween costumes were big from Squid Game. It's now like right. the source of memes and everything. So I think yeah. that uh, that makes sense. Because I did notice it became like the Squid Game channel, like a week after Squid yeah. Game came out. So. Yeah. Also, Delroy Lindo's in it. Like, okay. Yeah, I'll say I you like, forgot him. <laughs> the five bloods combination, and they're together on screen, and and chemistry is like off the charts. It's like it's a weirdly, it's a movie like okay, I haven't seen Lakeith in a scene with this person, and then we're in a scene together. You're like, oh my god, what about <laughs> these two? They haven't been. Oh, when they're seeing, okay, uh, God, man really enjoyed that movie so please see the harder they fall tell people about it it is on netflix and it's gorgeous and the sound is unreal if you have if you 
Yeah. If you have like a sound bar, like the 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 shots are coming from either side. So like yeah. when there's shootouts, there's like pew, 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 pew. it's it's crazy the way that they mix the sound in that movie. But go ahead, Steve. I'm I was gonna, I was gonna, I forgot I even saw this, but talking about Netflix and their uh, and their marketing and stuff, I did see a Netflix movie this week that I wanted to mention. It was the um that it's like the prequel uh slash side story <laughs> of that that the Zack Snyder's uh, yeah, yeah. Army of the Dead. Yeah, the, Ar- the Army of Thieves movie. That How was came it? Out on, I liked it. I thought it was really okay. entertaining. It does not do anything different for like these heist thrillers, but I mean, it's okay. like a heist thriller. And I really liked him in Army of the Dead. Or, I don't even remember that's what it was called, Army of the Dead. I think it was. Um, but the guy who played the safecracker, like it's basically yeah. his story and like his, you know, backstory that kind of got him to the point that you see him. But it's another example of something where like it's it that I forgot that movie was even coming out. Like Army of the Dead only came out, what, like six or seven months ago? Yeah. Like it's crazy that it's out already. And they didn't do very much promotion for it at all. But here it is sitting in the top two, three slots. So the same thing that I'm talking about for The Harder They Fall, if this movie stays in the top five for like a week or so, you know, they're going to start promoting it more. They're going to find ways to get people yeah. to see this this movie because it is really fun. It's really entertaining. It's got a really nice, diverse cast. It moves really quick. And again, the guy who is the star of it, I, I don't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, but his first name is Matthias. But he is... A German actor, writer, director. He actually directed this and stars in it. And oh, wow. it's pretty impressive. I mean, I gotta say, like, I was pretty entertained and it it's it's really fun. So, I mean, even if you didn't like Ar- uh, Army of the Dead, this Army of Thieves spinoff that they've done with this character, um, I thought was very entertaining. And uh yeah, I don't know. L- L- Ludwig Dieter is his name in the in the movie, but uh you know, I don't know, but that's another example. Again, like a a, a, a average slash above average entertaining movie comes out on Netflix. Pretty decent budget movie. No one knows it exists. Seems no like one knows this movie yeah. exists. Insane. But 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 it's in the top three of all of their titles across the globe. You know, so like people are watching it. Yeah. I mean, and that's the context that we lose sometimes. Is that like if you see it in that top list. You know it's actually being watched by a shitload of people. Yeah. How much of it they watch, I don't know. But like to crack that list, you're talking about a really, really uh, penetration is like pretty solid. You know, yeah. like for for their subscriber base. But yeah, I, I forgot I was even going to mention that Army of Thieves is also uh, on Netflix now, and I, I definitely recommend checking that out too. Cool. What's the one that you got, John? You got? Oh yes, this was. Plus and, 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 uh, you're, and, and you're right, not on Apple TV Plus at all. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about that one in a minute. No, this is. I didn't even. You know, like, how, what number movie is this in the Paranormal Activity series? Paranormal uh, Activity Next of Kin. That is. That's a good is question. Six. Or? I I I also saw this sh- this movie. <laughs> the show. The show. The show. This piece of show. It's a movie. Yeah, so it's, uh, as you said, it's a, um, I guess I'm seeing it on Paramount Plus and Amazon Prime, but I think that's through your Paramount that's the, Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it. this is the seventh one. Yeah. Okay, seventh. And it's kind of trying to be a reboot, I think. Uh, you know, I, I may have fallen off the fifth or sixth in the series, or Seven, maybe yeah. I skipped off on the third and fourth and then watched the fifth or something, but I've, I'm, my, I'm spotty on where this series this is left the seventh. Us. The seventh? The seventh yeah. one, yes. Uh, Next of Kin following um, 
Uh, One, two, three, four, March ones and the Ghost Dimension. Ghost Dimension in 2015. So it's been a little bit of a while after they kind of cranked these out uh, for a a few years there. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I think that, I think this has, like, it has some interesting places that it gets to. And it like, it has a couple of moments where the scares are legit, I guess. But I think it stretches the found footage or, or you know, handheld camera thing. There's moments where there's just no explanation yeah. as to how something's being filmed. Like they'll use yeah. the motivation. You know how they sometimes will have a person like either drop or put down a camera? Yeah. And that becomes a thing. There's one scene where there's like a camera on one side and a camera on the other. And, and it's like, you, you can believe that it's saying, oh, that camera's over there and this camera's over here. And that's why we're getting a reverse shot on this scene. But then the camera kind of moves a little bit, like a handheld camera shot. Yeah. And it's like they didn't know themselves whether this shot was motivated by a, by a person holding the camera or by a, uh, by like, you know, the, the kind of, like I said, stationary camera you get that's like, yeah. so it's all supposed to be motivated in this thing. And I felt like that really, it really lost whatever that is like, specific about these movies where i mean the first movie the magic is a camera sitting on a tripod filming people doing nothing you know and then the moments that happen the scares it's a result not just if you scanning the scene for a few seconds but minutes you know tens of minutes you're spending in that movie looking at nothing waiting for something to happen and a lot of people don't like it for that reason i i I remember being really freaked out i watched it in in my basement by myself one night with headphones on so it was like it really got to me i was looking over my shoulder a lot but i don't know i mean i think these movies we probably all have installments or moments from them that we think are good it's it's not like a schlocky shitty series it's actually pretty inventive and uh i think it actually you know for what it did initially with like a no budget and a and a solid idea i think it's one of those horror success stories that i love to think about but this movie did not do it as they say this is not it uh whatever it tried to add i think it really detracted from that claustrophobic feeling like when i saw the quick previews for this or just the poster image i thought oh some people are going to be out at like a cabin in the woods and they're going to have the similar kind of paranormal activity story but that's not what this is at all this is like a backwoods cult thing and it really is trying to do like midsummer at the same time as as paranormal activity and i just know i i didn't really buy it and i also didn't i found it like boring in stretches and then when it gets to the sort of quote-unquote good stuff like i said there's some there's some good jolts and scares in there but it's not the same like visceral scare that you kind of want from these movies i think that you're used to right right it, yeah, the tw- so I agree. The weird thing is like this is this is the I, I can accept that it's filmed in 4K. I can accept that yeah that everybody's camera phone is like super high quality or whatever. Yeah, yeah super right. high quality. I can accept that. I can accept the lighting. I can accept that it's professionally lit where you can see everyone's face like everybody's expression it zooms in at the right time there's like movie level edits in in the found footage yeah before you give it to somebody this is footage from when it's happening and the, and the twist can't be their assholes right like that they're assholes that's the twist like, that's kind of the twist these people who seemed like weird <laughs> assholes, assholes they're actually really weird assholes they're just assholes it's not like a crazy it's just like oh they're assholes they've they've just shitheads they're just so <laughs> it really had a lot of promise man it the, the trailer got me they whoever did this tra- this trailer edit by the way we i have a friend that edits trailers we have to have him on 
trailers are what real people in. And this movie got me with the trailer. But little did I know that we should have had the person that edited the trailers to edit <laughs> the actual movie because this one was a, a dud that had a lot of potential, man. It had a lot of cool ideas that just didn't pay off in the end. And you're right. Um, I think my cousin called it Paranormal Summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it just didn't feel... I mean, again, I would say that like it feels like an attempt to reboot this thing yes and the way it, it really is does. is really weird and kind of corny feeling like that 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 guy who comes walking out you know the part i'm talking about yeah the kind of terminator <laughs> yeah. almost sort of figure yeah. it's just silly. there's some so, silly silly so stuff i'm supposed to movie. accept this because he's muscular like that, that this is like a thing get yeah. out of here no there's some silly 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 things yeah, yeah get out of here yeah so it sounds like we're passing on that one I guess we are. We're saying this is one of those movies on streaming that's that you can that should be ignored. I don't know if I'm being that hard on it, but I do think it was boring. I mean, I think the worst crime of this movie was that it was it felt boring, you know, on top yeah, of all okay. the little problems we have. So, so I think that okay. if it weren't if it felt zippy and it had all these problems, it would still be somewhat fun, but it <clears throat> yeah. it, it definitely was, you know, you get bogged down with them like trying to set up the reality of it and trying to make it relatable, but the setup is so outlandish from the start that yeah. I just don't think it can never have that that simplicity of the first one. Which I, again, I might be wrong to think that's the hook of this series anymore. If I haven't seen the last couple, maybe it spins out uh, into all this cultish stuff. But it, it for me, like and Ronald, how did how much did you love the scene where they they do the internet research and they like put in the demon's name and they come up with this? It says it's a demon that da 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 yeah. da da, and it's like. That's pre presented with any kind of import, but it's like three quarters of the way into the movie and they just yeah. happen to be near a computer. I don't know. It, to me, it felt like a really weird time to try to introduce the internet search information where now you know what the demon's powers are or whatever. Corny as hell. Uh, weird internet nerdy fact about that scene. You know why it was so weird on top of just that? Why? The, the, um, the links were purple. They had been clicked already. So they were doing new research, but the sites had already been clicked. So it was like they were. Now, is that a sign that they were just doing second takes and third takes and not refreshing everything? <laughs> they were. Or was that supposed to be like a clue to us that the person in the who already was using that computer is already researching this cult shit? And so oh, they're in on it. Shit. They should have cleared the cash. Should have cleared the cash. These cultists don't clear their cash. Damn it. I didn't even think about that. That's the uh, that's the subtitle for the next paranormal activity. <laughs> Cultists don't clear their cash. Yeah, or just clear your cash. Clear the cash. Clear the, clear cash. the cash. Wipe wipe it clean. Wipe it clean. Damn. I, I, um, I, yeah, I wipe this um, my my memory clean of this yeah. of this film. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you guys want to talk about the beta test? Sure. Let's. So the beta test is out today, and uh, I think it's being distributed by IFC and theaters, and it's available on. You know, the SVOD platforms for video on demand. But this is the new one from a guy we've, we've kind of grown to become fans of. I mean, we talk yeah, about man. him a lot on the podcast, but Jim Cummings, writer, director, actor, he did um, Thunder Road and <clears throat> last year or this year, I don't even remember what year it was, the Wolf of Snow Hollow uh, he put out, which I think we all liked. If uh, memory serves, I didn't serves. see it yet. Is it good? Okay. I really liked it. Really I really liked it. liked it a lot. I oh, thought it was great. Man. Yeah, um, definitely go back and find that, um, okay. especially getting into this one if you enjoy this one. But uh, basically, this is a cool one because I remember following he, he's a really great follow on Twitter. Like he's a very big 
promoter of like DIY filmmaking, just go make a movie, do it independently, find Ooh. somebody to put it out for you, whatever it takes. And um, I know that he and the co-writer, co-director of this movie, uh, PJ McCabe, like I've been following them as they've been like basically creating and making this movie become a reality, wow. you know, and that includes like ways that they have funded the movie, you know, new and exciting ways to crowdfund that isn't like simply Kickstarter, or Indiegogo, other other means of doing it. Um, and, you know, and, and seeing them take it to festivals and get, you know, a pretty good reaction for it and, and to get some sort of di distribution deal like this is really exciting uh, for them. And I'm really excited to see what comes next for Jim Cummings specifically. I think he's a really interesting person in the industry for that reason, very uh, specifically. But um, what did you guys know about this going in? I mean, what did, any awareness beyond me saying, hey, do you want to check this out and talk about it on the show? Um, and I, I guess, what did you think of it? I saw the trailer. Um, I'm a big fan of Thunder Road. Thunder Road's like one of my favorite movies in the last couple of years. So, you know, I, I knew his his caliber of acting and how how he could go from like silly to serious kind of quickly. So that that was that was promising. So the idea of what this movie represented and finding out that he also wrote and directed this one was pretty promising. So that that's what I had set in my mind. But right. What about you, John? Yeah, I mean, you said Jim Cummings, and I was like, yes. So, yeah. I mean, that's where I was with it. Honestly, yeah. I loved him popping up, even though it's not like my favorite scene or anything, but in the new Halloween movie, I loved him popping up. That felt like a real mark of, like, yeah, the right people are noticing. David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, somehow he feels like he should be in cahoots with those people because For those sure. people do go out on a limb and do these things. Um, and, and Jim Cummings, I just don't know that anybody does – toxic masculinity like he does right now i mean he, right, yeah and this movie is like holy shit i mean it's just it's it's uh, like i the, the things it's almost like he took the things that i loved most about the wolf of snow hollow is that what it's called yeah. that he took I, which a movie which i kind of loved but i mean if he took the things i loved best about that movie and like pushed it into this it's like I was thinking the movie it was making me think of is not even a movie I particularly like, but I was thinking about the the director Neil LeBute's early movies like uh, uh, Friends and Neighbors yeah. and uh, and uh, The Company of Men. He he examined that same similar kinds of characters, these super toxic men who are just desperate. And um, I don't know. There's something about Jim Cummings, the thing you mentioned, Ronald, this being being able to bring the silly in. This this is like such a bleak movie on so many levels, but it's yeah. so comic on so many levels. And there's some like brilliantly hilarious moments w woven in with these really uncomfortable things. And the way that it's shot is really interesting. Like there's an opening scene that really takes a turn into some very unsettling. I mean, honestly, I don't know if anything in the movie, which is full of these kind of, oh my gosh, moments. Yeah. The first scene is the moment that like, I was like, holy, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready yeah, for it to get that yeah. dark, that intense. The choreography of that, the way the camera moved, the way you were kind of lulled into not knowing what was going on. I think there's something really, really smart about uh, this movie in particular. But I think Jim Cummings' aesthetic and PGA McCabe or whatever he said his name was or their yeah, name was. Um, uh, this collaborator, I don't know anything about them. Um, anyway. I just, yeah. I, so, I mean, I think my curiosity about Jim Cummings, the things I, I was kind of hoping to see when you said, do you want to check out the new Jim Cummings? It was like, um, 
I didn't know anything about it. I didn't see the trailer. I didn't really even li- read the log line, you know? So um, I find that that's a great way to go into a movie <laughs> these days. Uh, if you're going to see if it you anyway. you can, yeah, for sure. It's to just not know anything. But but yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is what I knew going in was all I needed to know. And I think that I'm, now I just feel that way even more that, like you said, Steve, whatever this guy does, I'm really interested to see because he doesn't seem like he's not in, he's interested in kind of leaving a mark. He doesn't want his movies to go down too easy. And yet yeah. he does have the ability to craft like a pleasing uh, film of, of like a nice looking movie that is fun to watch in some ways. So I think that, you know, that mixture can be really electric. Yeah. And I think like what he kind of plays to him specifically, and even in his performance in the movie, um, you know, he really kind of plays into this beyond the conversations of like toxic masculinity or like a post me too Hollywood industry because there's a lot of that in the movie too which is really mm. entertaining and interesting to have a little bit of, of a peek behind that curtain um he just really kind of like that unnerving awkwardness like I think that that is just like that's what makes this movie I think that's what kind of caught me with this movie or made me most interested in, in sticking with the movie I think the story itself is really interesting which is just simply that these you know seemingly random people are selected to receive a letter uh, that is an invitation to like a sexual encounter in an Did it make you think encounter. of the movie The Invitation, Steve? Like the way that it's like this event, a small yeah. event that you see, you, you see in the movie how it's about to get bigger. To grow. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I think that idea is like an enticing idea, especially in today's world. And it's just like how people handle this, people that you think you know, people that you think know uh, what they want in life and, you know, what they have in life and appreciate it. You know, it just really kind of, brings that to the surface and especially a character like that which you're not doing a lot of guessing it seems with him when you're watching the movie but the way it escalates and the way it kind of boils over and and him specifically and his performance like how that looks on screen um yeah is really really entertaining and really interesting and and even the ideas that kind of the movie opens up into in the final act without spoilers um i think we'd all kind of recommend people to check this out if you can find it uh, on a video on demand or like if you if it's in theaters near you and you're comfortable seeing it in a theater um i would i would say go support a movie like this and check this out because i think it's talking a lot about you know people's people's inhibitions people's real wants and people you know what they're willing to do to sacrifice it's just it's unsettling and it's like very raw and uh it surprised me a lot actually i think that um it's a lot of it's a lot of what he does well in his other movies, but there's some new things in this that really kind of get opened up. Um, yeah. And I think help him a lot in terms of how interested I am in him as a performer, writer, director. I think he's like one to watch for sure. What, yeah. Ronald, what did, what did you, I don't know that you really got into it. What did you, what was your take on it? Oh man. I think, I think there's like a, I don't think there's a enough of an examination of men who don't update their software people that are kind of where their values are, whatever they learned at, you know, whenever they were developing these raging hormones, they Mm kind of stop, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no development of any ideas more complex than that. Then on top of that, the the man that is very handsome, that feels like he should just be getting things because he's handsome and in a space. Then on top of that, like the the guy who picks on people who are clear who he perceives as being weaker than him and and only picks on those sorts of people right right mm-hmm. right you know you you you're meeting i'm meeting I, you know in in a corporate space i met 
a ton of I worked at a place where the average age was 25. I met a million people like him that would kind of like there was like this test as an initial test. Like, I, you know, they see you, Steve. They're like, hey, this guy has blue eyes. I could beat him up. They'll test you. And, and Steve, you give a you give a visceral reaction. And they're like, oh, I could never do this to this guy again. <laughs> because, you know what I mean? And they're like, John, I'm going to pick on John. John's like, don't fuck with me. And it's like, oh, I can never do this again to this person. Like, it's it's a strange, strange thing when you meet people like this in the world yeah, who right. just, again, haven't updated their software. Um, and they don't have to be old. I think that there's this, this narrative is that there's a, a lot of, like, older people who are doing this. Like, people are in there, like... 60s that are like oh you know that that feel like this the world is there are people that are in their 20s that are saying things like it this. wouldn't so be a problem if it if it weren't that way you know what i mean if it were right. just people in their 60s it would be dying out exactly. it's the fact that people in their 20s got in on this system and the movie makes a point two or three yes. people tell him everybody wants to end what you are doing everybody yeah. wishes you were cut out of this like because he's yeah. trying to the packaging deal that he's talking about, which is he's an agent, yeah. but he gets told two or three times that this packaging deal you want to do is just you trying to take money from other people that need to make a deal with each other, and we don't need you to make this deal. Right, and like right. everybody on the creative side of the industry is ready for you not to take our money anymore, <laughs> so we don't need you. And like you know, um, like I feel like even beyond that, there's like a scene where a hotel concierge cuts him down to size, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's like so. I yeah, think it's, it's like it's the it's the Jim Cummings thing. You you mentioned his handsomeness, Ronald. I love that he he kind of weaponizes his own handsomeness like against himself, which is to mm -hmm. say that he's this guy who should be succeeding, but he's too fucking awkward and narcissistic, and especially this character, like the way he's able to use that exact thing you're talking about. Like this guy could be a leading man, but the light's just not hitting him right. Like he's right. a little too clammy. He's a little too desperate. The stink of failure is too much on him. He can't quite balance these things. You know, you see other people that, um, in fact, I looked at the credits, his friend PJ played by, it looks like PJ McCabe. Um, so that, I guess, is the guy who co-wrote the movie. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. that the guy who's and co-directed co it as well. Yeah, he's great. He was he, he kind of he's provides so a counterpoint of like a much yeah. more likable, like you kind of can envision the movie that's about that guy, and it would be about a likable guy who gets in over his head. But that's right. not what Absolutely. Jim Cummings is. Yep. And he doesn't want to let us off the hook that easily, I don't think. He no. wants us to... But, right. he, but we never stop... There are moments where you kind of are rooting for him against people he's going up against, but then there's mm -hmm. those moments, like maybe from halfway into the movie on, where it's like, okay, I'm, you're losing that feeling because he is so clearly the most dangerous person. But also the the actual story that's going on around him, you kind of start to see what the stakes are and maybe what was intended to happen, um, and how he might thwart that, and if he can, and all that stuff. There's a there's yeah there, there's a lot yeah. of the guy who wishes he was the kingmaker who wants to be in control who who's being manipulated and can't handle it um you don't yeah that doesn't have to be addressed uh, as as post me too or post harvey weinstein or in this yeah. conversation about toxic male energy but if you add all those things to this i think jim cummings is is, is like this character sketch has a lot of impact at this moment in time yes yeah, um, so much so that you'll be left at the end of the movie. Really, if you there's a lot of ways to maybe go with like what was the movie ultimately kind of trying to say about like not so much this type of person, but the world uh, that we yeah. live in. Yeah. Um, but if you just chalk it up as a dark comedy, even if it doesn't have a message, it it uses that 
current feeling. I don't know. Movies should feel like they're from the current moment, right? They should kind of take a bite yeah. out of you right now. Yeah. Um, there's a great line to what we're saying. It sums up kind of what we're saying. I'm not going to, this isn't spoiling anything, but there's a moment in the film where the guy's fiance says to him after he gets really taken aback by something she just said to him. She says, yeah. I'm not insulting you. I'm describing you. Oh, <laughs> that hurt my heart. By the I know. Way. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's, yeah. it's a tough thing, man. Like, you know, it was just it, it was great i i would suggest it to especially it has a hook it has a hook to it that you could describe to anybody yeah within minutes anybody. the movie has that hook like it gets it going too you know yeah. it doesn't waste time going there so yeah god man really enjoyed it yeah good 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 again in theaters and on uh video on demand so find that this weekend if you can Cool. <clears throat> the last movie we're going to be talking about is probably the biggest movie that we're probably talking about this week. This is the uh, new Apple TV Plus uh, feature film starring Tom Hanks, uh, also the voice talents of Caleb Landry-Jones. Um, this is the movie called Finch. This is a Universal movie that was produced by Universal and uh, pushed back two, three times. Uh, it was called Bios at one point. And uh, eventually sold to Apple TV Plus and now available to all of its subscribers on the platform this weekend. Um, directed by Ms. Uh, Miguel Sipochnik, who is most known probably for all the amazing episodes of Game of Thrones that he's done. Um, but this is uh, his newest offering in terms of feature films. Uh, but what did you guys think of Finch? So did I. <laughs> Same. <laughs> oh, there it is. The hat trick, guys. It's that simple. You know, the reality is, is that this movie really doesn't really do anything brand new. I don't think, mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of feel it going as it goes and know where it's going to go the whole time. Uh, when you when you the, the, the log line is basically Tom Hanks in a post apocalyptic world has a dog who he's making an AI being to take care of because he knows he's dying. I just said that. And it stars Tom Hanks. If you're not crying I'm not joking. already, I'm not joking, John. You, I see you, you. Started, you started to get John. Me. I yeah. see you. That's what happens. And I mean, yeah. that's this movie. I love this movie, man. Like so I was sweet. I don't know so, why I was surprised, so, but I yeah. was so into it. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like a. I mean, I'm not trying to get too heavy, but get heavy. Um, you know, I. I draw parallels to, so my dad is like, when he was alive, he was very frantic about teaching me lessons. And I always thought it was like really weird when I was a kid. He was like, do this, save money, do this, do this. And it felt like, it felt like the way that Tom Hanks was talking to this, this machine. I, I remember how I felt when I first started to drive. And I remember like, these are all things that I feel like we've all kind of felt at some point in our lives where we're like this flailing little robot trying to gain some sort of sense of self and control over your body. And, and right. this, you know, this apparent or, or a figure, a, parent, a parental figure parking these very frantic things to us so that we got used to the idea of living without them. You know, right. it's just that that is a heavy concept and it was done so beautifully you know it you're right it has been done before but it hasn't been done in such a palatable way that so I've clean such a clean movie i mean honestly yeah. when it gets to the end and the credits show you how many people were in the movie and you go oh, yeah <laughs> really 
there really wasn't anything extra in this movie. Yeah. Like nothing it extra. It's, it's great. And, it's a and, great term. And yet, it's very lean. You know, and it reminds you of something like how Tom Hanks can hold your interest through a movie like Cast Away, you know, like where it's like, yeah. you, where, where you, and I know pe- most people say Cast Away, but isn't it two words? Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think I it think is two words. two words. So it's Cast Away. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> cast but, Away. Away. No, but like oh. it, it is, it's like the feels start to come out because Tom Hanks can do this. Tom Hanks oh, is yeah. one of those actors yeah. that we will watch him go through procedural stuff. We will we'll watch him do trial and error. We'll watch him tighten the screws on a robot's head and and believe that he, he knows what he's doing. You know, that in this mm-hmm. world, this is grounded. This movie, so it moves, like it does move at kind of a, I don't know, like a nomad land, excuse me, nomad land type pace of like following yeah. people just through their existence or following characters through their existence. But what it's doing with the stuff that we were talking about, Ronald, the, the procedural aspect of teaching someone things they need to know, the ticking clock of that, um, yeah. the fact that he wants to have these moments of enjoyment, but he can't. Every time he's kind of letting his guard down and starting to enjoy what's going on, he he has to snap into this kind of parental or whatever you want to call it, role, patriarchal something role to say, I, yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to be here. You guys need to be able to take care of each other. Getting yeah. that going, it's so sweet. I mean, it's like the ultimate, if you're an animal lover and you watch a movie because you you sometimes you get upset by movies because they don't seem to care enough about the animals in the movie. Right, right. This is yeah. not that movie. This is a great movie if you're an animal lover because they, they care about this dog. He cares about this dog the way you care about your dog. Yeah. Um, and uh, even the robot, uh, and I guess I'll say robots. There's there's a there's a couple robot characters, very endearing characters. There, it's just Tom Hanks, like the delight he has on his face, just that he has someone to talk to. All of a sudden, when he yes. builds this robot, is like so palpable. And there's so much just love in those scenes where he's just delighted with this personality that's 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 developing in front of his eyes. But there's a sadness to it because he knows why he's doing this, and yeah. so everything they're doing is against that backdrop. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like, I guess all we're saying is how effective and well-made and this movie looked good and felt good and the effects were really tasteful. I kept wondering how much so of that good. was a practical in same, the moment same. robotic thing and how much of that was, yeah. you know, CGI. And it, I th- whatever mixture they did was great because it looked great on my television, which often is where effects go to die is on your yeah. high, you know, like Hell stuff yeah, that man. looks okay in the theater sometimes looks shitty at home, but these yeah. effects mm-hmm. looked... Looked great, and I didn't catch the dog actor's name, but fuck, what a what a cute dog! Uh, He's so good. nailed what it needed to do, and you know, every every time a movie cuts to an animal and it kind of cocks its head, <clears throat> or cuts to any animal, but dogs mostly, <laughs> uh, and it kind of cocks its head. So often that seems corny, but in this movie, I really was feeling like the soulful. Like this dog gives a good performance uh, yeah, in, in yeah. this film. Just watching the robot move around, the dog's just like, "What is this little?" Piece yeah. of trash. <laughs> you really like dislike this robot for a large chunk of the movie, and it just it came across <laughs> so. You know, it, it was prote- it's a protective energy that I really enjoyed, and you know, anybody that's had a dog that's like that, you know, I had a I had a dog that was just didn't like women. It's like anytime a woman would come into the house, it's like I'm gonna destroy this woman for messing with my guy. <laughs> it was very weird. It was like any time, like anybody would come towards me, my dog would get in front of me and just be like, that's not happening. No hugs, yeah. no nothing. Yeah. yeah. So seeing this dog have that same energy was just, it was pretty adorable, man. Yeah. I think that the, like the, the robot stuff, like the, the, the character of Jeff, who Caleb 
uh, Landry Jones voices. Yeah. Like, I feel like when that moment happens in the movie uh, mm-hmm. where he quote unquote comes to life in a way, uh, just like you mentioned to John a bit, like Tom Hanks's performance in that scene, like where he's like getting him to mimic him and he's like <laughs> nodding, stop nodding. And, and like, he's listening and it's working. Yes. Like, you just know the history of the effort that this man has made to have this companion for his dog because he knows like he is at the, he is at that point where he could be gone any day sort of kind of thing. And like just the relief and like success that he feels. It's just, it's just a great scene. And like the bookend to that for me is, you know, there's no spoilers in this conversation. You know, it's, it's the movie is available now go watch it. But I mean, it's basically that scene works so well for me because there's a moment later in the movie where Jeff has kind of progressed so much that like the character uh, says, Finch says, you know, like, I forget what he says number wise. Like, he's like, wow, like I would, I wish I could be here to see you in 10 years or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like that moment to me, like that gives me a little bit of cold chills right now. Just saying, you know, that this thing that this inventor created, this AI, this robot to service the other thing that he cares about most while he's still here, you know, it's, it's like organic. Like it's becoming this thing that like, he can't even predict what it's capable of from one day to the next. And that was like a really, really charming scene, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, this is probably one of the surprise movies for me of the last, I don't know, probably for the year. I'll be honest with you because I mean, I knew about this movie for a while and like the whole time the log line had me. But then it kind of went and came and came and went and changed titles, changed tribute. I was like, wow, where is that movie? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we were talking about it last week and it was like, wow, it's coming out next week on Apple. Like, what the hell? Like, no yeah, one's yeah. going to find this movie. I hope you do. It's it's called Finch. It's available now. Apple TV Plus. Sign up for a trial. What if you don't have it? If you're interested to try it out, even we've talked a lot about some great programming on Apple TV Plus across the board, whether it's movies or TV. But um. You know, some of the stuff that they've gotten through the pandemic that have gone straight to their platform have just been kind of OK. Um, not really that bad. Like even Tom Hanks, other movie Greyhound, I thought it was OK. Yeah. But I really, truly loved Finch. And I think, you know, it's one of the surprise movies this year for me that if you like Tom Hanks, if you like dogs, like if you want to go on a road trip with Tom Hanks trying to make a friend for his dog because <laughs> he's dying, like get the Kleenexes. But come along for some fun it was great it was great oh man great (laughs) great movie (laughs) i man i was i was trying so hard not to ball i was like you know i I was doing the same thing i kind of thought i was gonna cry any moment and then when i didn't and then it was a point where i was like well there was one part did i i you know um whether I had my attention got pulled away or something. And I was like, I'm going to go back and watch that moment where I walked away for a second. And I rewound about 15 minutes. And so I ended up watching like the last 20 minutes of the movie again. And, and then I was like, you know, it's funny that I didn't cry when I was watching this movie. And the second I thought that it was like, (laughs) (laughs) I I lot, it was as though I had been holding it in. And then like, I got home, you know, that feeling of like, when you've had like, and it's like, but it was towards the end when some of the, you know, major stuff is happening that I, that it really hit me. But I think it was what you were talking about, Steve. It was that sense of awareness of what carries on after you. And I think as a parent, you, I mean, you know, it's that whole thing about being a parent. You're not, I mean, I, you know, not to be corny, but one time someone said, who would you like to meet and and spend a couple of hours talking to if you could pick anybody? And I, I was like, my first, it just came to me right away. It's like, my son is an old man. I would love 
I would love to know. Honestly, wouldn't it be great to know yeah. what, what that person is like? Wow. You know, you won't, you don't, you don't get to. Yeah. Most most people don't yeah. get to. Um, yeah. But it's uh, and also the notion of not being there for someone when they need you yeah. is a weird, painful thought. And like the idea that I'm going to set you up with everything I can, and this goes for the dog and the robot. I'm going to set you up with everything I can so that on that day where you do need me, you realize I've already given you what you need, you know, that's yeah. extremely powerful. And in this movie, it yeah. just makes you feel that with, without it being, it's not, it's not unmotivated. It's like, it's totally, like you said, it's a totally organic character driven story that gets at all this big stuff. So yeah. 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 Lovely movie. Definitely, man. Cool, man. Anything else you guys want to mention before we uh, wrap it up and hang out and call it quits here? Well, it's a lot, right? So, so we got, we got Netflix, you got The Harder They Fall, and you got, I mentioned Army of Thieves, John mm -hmm. mentioned, uh, and Ronald mentioned uh, Paramount, uh, Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin on Paramount Plus. Not so great uh, 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 of things to say about it. Uh, we got the beta test in theaters and on video on demand. We all were really into that, and especially Finch, Apple TV Plus. If you can seek that out, I think that's probably the, the one that we would probably press the hardest for you to check out this weekend. Um, well, I... Ronald, you love the harder they fall. I got. I can't wait to see that myself. But I, I, I have a feeling that's going to be one that we talk about a lot more once we've all seen it. But yeah. <clears throat> so maybe we can talk about that more next week, and maybe talk about Eternals as well. And that'll be yeah. a probably a great conversation. Yeah. Um, Movieshmovie.com is the website. You can find all the podcast platforms. You can subscribe to us through there. And like I said at the top of the show, YouTube.com/slash/MovieshMovie. If you want to subscribe to the video feed that we do for every podcast episode now. It's a bonus. You get to watch what we're talking, you know, how we're talking, how much I use my hands. And every time I raise my hand, Zoom is telling me that I'm raising my hand. And I'm <laughs> I'm not. I just talk with my hands. Um, <laughs> we all do, Steve. <laughs> yeah, it's like weird. Like every time I do this, Zoom's like, you're raising your hand. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just talking. <laughs> you could see that. And my you could probably see my eye go to the bottom of the screen every time I do it to like to shy it off. But yeah, the YouTube's great. It's slowly growing. Ronald's doing an amazing job cutting those videos together for Woo, us. Ronald. Um, woohoo, woohoo. Um, so show some love, go subscribe to that and all the social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter.com slash movies movie. If you want to follow us there, we kind of throw some, you know, little tidbits up there every once in a while. Ron likes to throw polls on Twitter. Um, so follow that there as well. And again, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Definitely, hopefully, maybe someone will be able to see the Eternals, one of us, hopefully. Um, oh, and we'll mention that in some respect. But um, until then, we'll see you. Hope you have a great weekend. Watch Finch. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.